Good morning, it's Bushman, and I'm hanging with Diane Dakins. She's the assistant director of the Petoskey Area Visitors Bureau. How are you this morning? Doing well. How about things there? Everything is good here. But what I want to know more about is the uh, Petoskey area, because I know it's more than just a town, correct? Uh, The Petoskey area is a collection of towns and villages in Michigan. It's Harbor Springs, Boyne City, and Boyne Falls, Alanson, Bayview, Bay Harbor, and, of course, the so well, just this nice little collection of communities. Has it always it is, been a, a resort area? Pretty much always been a resort area ever since the days when train loads of people came up here to get away from hay fever, of all things. I can understand that, being that I have that. <laughs> Yep, people came up um, to get away from hay fever. They came up here to vacation and have been coming ever since. Now, are there any famous people connected to the area? Yes, actually. Um, Bruce Catton, who's the Civil War writer, was born here in Petoskey. And Ephraim Shea, who's the inventor of the Shea locomotive, uh, had his home here. It's still here, and it's run by the Harbor Springs Area Historical Society. As a matter of fact, just last week, they um, unveiled an historic all-steel 1894 ship that Shea built, and it's now in the park in Harbor Springs. So kind of cool to have that come back. Probably our our most famous person from the area is Ernest Hemingway. Um, I know a lot of people connect him with Florida and Illinois, but he actually spent his first 22 summers in the area here. And um, we have a printed brochure that details some of those old haunts that he followed. Now, something else I've been hearing about, I want to know more about. What are the Potoski stones? Potoski stones are so cool. They're actually fossilized coral that's over 350 million years old. It's the remains of when the glaciers came through, and they're very, very distinctive, have a very distinctive pattern on them. Um, Lots of fun to go hunting for them. Families come and spend hours looking for them. And one of the nice things about the Petoskey Stone, which, which incidentally is the state stone of Michigan, one of the nice things about it is that it's a fairly soft stone. Mm -hmm. So you'll find a lot of jewelry and bookends and wine corks and doorknobs and all sorts of things made out of the stones. Now, where can they be found? Well, obviously here in Petoskey. Yes. Um, they're found along the lake shore of Lake Michigan, and you will find them in areas other than Petoskey. Um, you'll find a lot of them in Charlevoix and, and further south and even over to Alpena. We're not really sure how they travel all that way, but um, for the most part, you'll find them in the Petoskey area. You might find it in a driveway or if somebody is excavating, putting in a home or something, you may find just huge Petoskey stones. But um, for the most part, people love to come here and wander along the lake shore, um, particularly by the break wall in Petoskey is a great place to find them. I'm definitely coming. Coming up, and I'm going looking. I'm searching. Okay, bring your water bottle. <laughs> I if, will. If you're not, if you're not in the water, if you spray the stones, it makes it a lot easier to see the pattern. Ah, gotcha. I gotcha. Is everything totally open now? And what about masks? Well, you know, we're getting there. So, um, like the rest of Michigan, uh, we do still have. Some stores, even though if you're double vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask, Mm -hmm. but some stores are still just asking people to do it just to be on the safe side. Uh, What are some of the main reasons guests should visit the area? Well, people come up here for a whole lot of reasons. Probably the top three draws would be scenery, because it's 
just incredibly beautiful here, relaxing, and the outdoor recreation. You know, there are a lot of places in our state. We are very lucky in the state of Michigan that there are just so many scenic areas, and this is this is definitely one of them. Here, the, the feeling's pretty laid back and casual, and there's a ton of outdoor recreation. So if you want to be outside and being active, and, and last year certainly being away from the virus, you know, we've got the hiking and the biking and the golfing and zip lines and kayaking and ATV trails, so a lot of that kind of thing. Sounds like I need to make a trip and come up. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Here's Frankie Darcel with Talk of the Town. Welcome to this edition of Talk of the Town with Frankie Darcel, a public service of iHeartMedia Detroit. We welcome your questions and comments. Join us on our Facebook, Twitter, and IG pages. Now here's your host, Frankie Darcel. Welcome, Frankie Darcel. with you. Always good to have you joining me, and I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have today. I think that you will be inspired, informed, and motivated. Part two, first, let me introduce to you Mr. Rory Douglas. He did say that I could call him Rory. He's a financial educator, best-selling author, and high-performance life coach. You'll enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Rory, good morning. How are you? I'm doing super, Frankie. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. You know, every now and then, we've got to be our own motivator. That's one of the things that you've learned to do well, working in the entertainment industry, then getting into finance. First of all, just tell people who you are and your background. Well, my name is Rory Douglas, and I've actually been in the entertainment and financial world for a little over 25 years, and I am a starch entrepreneur. And not only that, I'm also a life coach and an international best-selling author. And I have a passion to help people pursue their purpose in the areas of financial education as well as empowerment. Now, listen, you've written a book, Cracking the Rich Code. Tell us about your book. Well, Cracking the Rich Code is a book that I wrote. It's a collaboration with Tony Robbins, Kevin Harrington from ABC's The Shark Tank, and Jim Britt, which is also a life coach. This particular book is an entrepreneur's blueprint, and it pretty much shows people how to crack the rich code in today's society, because there is a code to cracking the rich code. Mm-hmm. Because the average American is about one to two paychecks away from being homeless, and one out of three Americans in debt, and yet we're in one of the richest countries in the world. But most people don't understand the money game, so cracking the rich code is a book that addresses those issues. Well, you know, a lot of people live in communities, Rory, where it's hard to just get ahead, you know, and we're not just talking about our well-educated folk because we know that there are some college-educated folk, and for those who are just graduating from college, keep hope alive. (laughs) Keep hope alive. (laughs) But it's tough, Rory. It is tough. So how does a person strategize getting beyond that paycheck when they've done educationally what they need to do or they're getting up every day and they're going to work? What would you say to that person? Well, what I would say is this. Uh, we, if we would just be honest about the situation, in most cases, we're taught, you know, to go to school, get a good education, get out, get a job. In most cases, I call jobs just over broke. And most people, they pretty much trade their time for money. I think that today we have to really, really invest some time in financial education, which is financial literacy. The reason most of us are behind because we don't really, really understand that things are pretty much put in place to keep us behind mm-hmm. right from the start. Let me give you an example. 
What does a traditional bank in America give us on the checkings and savings account? Mm -hmm. About minus 1%. When we look at inflation, inflation in America right now is about 4.5%, Frankie, soon to be more. So think about this. If the bank is giving us minus 1% and inflation is 4.5%, we have to have at least 5% or greater just to beat taxes and inflation. So I think that we have to really invest time in financial education so we can understand the financial system and how it works, so therefore we can have money for a lifetime and not a lunchtime. You know, Rory, I always talk about, even in high schools, I put my daughter in a financial literacy class when she was 12, 13 years old, established a bank account for her when she was 14 or so. By the time she got to college, she was able to get her debit card. Then she was able later to get a credit card. She understands managing that. You know, I get trigonometry, I get geometry, all of that, right? I can count. But one of the things that we don't do on our schools is teach kids at that level things about how do you open a bank account? You know, how do you measure a charge card versus a credit card and managing your credit and why credit is so important? What would you say to people who are listening right now? And yes, we're going to talk about your book, but why, what is it that you can say to people right now about managing their money? Well, I'll tell you this here. We have to take it even a little deeper than that. That's just the reason why I say finance 101 is so important. Things like the rule of 72, most people don't even understand what that is. But the rule of 72 is basically where compounding interest came from. So you simply just take the number 72 and you divide it in any, any, any um, you take the number 72, rather, and you divide it in any rate of return, and that's going to tell you how long it takes to double your money. So if I said to you right now, 72 divided into 4 equals 18, that means my money doubles every 18 years. So today... The banks give us flat interest, but we have to receive compounding interest. So where do we get compounding interest, Frank? I always tell people, would you rather put monies in the bank and get minus 1% or would you rather put your money where the bank put their money? So that's the question, understanding where the bank put their money. And we could do the same thing as Americans. All right. So where does the bank put their money, Roy? <laughs> okay. All right. The bank actually does a couple of things. One thing is called fractional banking. Just to give you guys an example, fractional banking, just to give an example, let's say banks by law are required to keep 10% of our deposit. So let's say if you put $1,000 in the bank, the bank is going to take 100 and keep that, and they're going to invest the nine into the market, like the S&P 500, and they're going to lend the money out. Not only are they going to lend the money out, and banks also invest heavily into life insurance companies. Last year in America, get ready to listen to this number, the banks invested $190 trillion in life insurance. Now, you may be saying to yourself, what the bank has to do with life insurance? A lot. I think today, we as Americans, we have to also learn to do what the bank is doing. In other words, we're taught so much, Frankie, to invest outside of ourselves. But the first investment should actually be investing in yourself, mm -hmm. especially doing today in a society full of inflation and taxes and things are astronomical. The first investment should be investing in yourself. And what does and that mean, Rory, investing in yourself? To so the lay people that are listening to you today, what does that mean? By investing in yourself. I'll give you a good example so you'll know. A bank is an institution that actually has accounts. Also, we all know credit unions are institutions. They have accounts also, too. Also, a life insurance and investment companies are institutions. They have accounts also, too. But life insurance and investment companies have the highest interest on their accounts. That's the hidden secret. So you want to invest monies 
in accounts that give you the highest interest. Okay. So I get it. And and I'm listening to you and I'm talking to you as I'm thinking, I'm sitting at my radio at home, listening to the conversation that you and I are having right now. I want to get to the brass tax of if you were in a room with a family right now that had two young people getting ready to go out into the world, what would you say to them, the everyday man and woman that's listening right now, about what they can do to change their lifestyle as it relates to their finances? You asked them some great questions. I love it. Let me. Uh, this is what I would say to them. First of all, the average college student today gets out of college with about $25,000 debt. Uh, if they're pursuing to be a doctor or a lawyer, it could be anywhere from 100000 to $200,000 debt. So the bottom line is, especially for young people, I would start off at a young age by basically having a college savings plan for the kid. So therefore, the kid can get interest on the money that you're saving for college. That's important. That's the first thing. And I would say start early and make sure that you're not saving monies. And listen to this, Frank, Frankie. Make sure you're not just saving monies in a traditional bank for your kids' college education. Mm-hmm. Because when you save monies in the bank, or in some cases there's something that's called 529 savings plan, which most people know about traditionally. But here's something that people don't know. When you have a 529 savings plan, it's reported to FAFSA. FAFSA is the application you fill out to be able to get grants. So it's important that we have to make sure that young people are basically have plans that are not reported to FAFSA. That's something that the audience has to really, really learn and know about. All right. So if a, a, a person listening right now who says that I'm a working person, I get up every day, I go to work, and I am looking for a way with the debt that I have, because I want to talk to you to the difference between the charge card, the credit card, if you're interested in answering that question. I have no idea what your answer may be. Um, But just how to manage everyday debt and get ahead today. When we look at COVID, you know, we're talking about people who are listening right now who, because of COVID, they've taken uh, in less of an income or have lost their income altogether. You know, how do they get ahead? Well, that, that's a question you that you said is, is so important, and I understand it's a lot of disparity, a lot of things are going on out there. But the first thing we got to do is we have to understand the basic rules of money. I always tell people this. When you're building a house from the ground up, what's the most important part? It's the foundation. What happens if the foundation is weak? The house crumbles. So first you just got to have a solid foundation. Then you go from a solid foundation, Frankie, Frankie rather, to debt management which means there's two forms of debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. What's good debt? If I'm paying for my children's education or my mortgage. Bad debt is credit cards, bills in general. Then we go from a debt management plan to something I call the 1020 rule. What is a 1020 rule? The 1020 rule is we should strive to try to save up at least six to 10 months of our monthly income just for emergencies. And then the 20 represents 20 times your annual salary to retire. You know, I could hear people right now saying, well, then I wouldn't be able to pay my bills and live. Okay. But this, these, are, these are basic rules that you want to follow. But here's my point. People right now that can barely even pay their rent or anything like that, Frankie, what needs to happen is, is that, first of all, 
they need to basically create other revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Whether, and get back to the basics. I'll give you an example. If, if you know how to bake cookies, bake cookies. Whatever you know how to do, you have to create multiple revenue stream, streams rather, in an environment like right now. Mm-hmm. So, it, so whatever it may be, it, it could be yard sale. It could be uh, just doing multiple revenue streams because I will tell you this here that the average millionaire has at least six streams of income and the average American has two jobs. So during times like right now, the whole family pretty much have to, you know, nail down and just pretty much start getting creative, get back to basics, start doing things that's going to create different revenue streams. That's the only thing you can do. But when it comes down to, like, your credit, when it comes down to to saving, we have to know exactly how to save because Mm -hmm. what's happening right now People are literally saving money right now and losing at the same time. Let me give you a good example. When I was saying to you earlier that if the bank is giving us minus 1% and inflation right now is 4.5% in America, we have to have at least 5% or greater just to beat taxes and inflation, Mm -hmm. which means you can literally be saving money today and losing at the same time. You know, you sound like my uncle, right? My uncle's name was Uncle Bud. Okay, my uncle was Uncle Bud. He was the guy that always gave it to you straight. And my uncle Bud always believed. Now you look at what the bank has and what they take, and they take money from you just to be able to keep it in the bank. He said, I can put it under my mattress near my six shooter, and I don't have to give anybody any money. That's what my uncle would say. And I just, his thing is, I would just put it there every week. And he was the least educated but the most wealthy of all of my uncles and aunts. Well, he was a very smart man. See, what I'm trying to get the audience to really listen to is you have to learn how to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. Your health is your wealth. Mm-hmm. Your health is your wealth. See, what's happening with us today in most cases, I'll tell you this, Frankie, we don't have a money problem in our communities. You have to think about this. Last year in America, in the African-American community, we made enough money in one physical year to buy NBC, CBS, and ABC, mm-hmm. all networks in just it one just, year. It's just but, where, where the money was invested, where it went, and exactly, what it went into. In our, communities, in our communities, the money doesn't turn not one time. Mm-hmm. So what people need to do is start investing in themselves. What I mean investing in themselves? In other words, right now, make sure you invest in yourself. Get yourself a life insurance policy that has a cash value. Mm -hmm. I call it BYOB. Be your own bank. Do Mm -hmm. what the bank is doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the banks are doing. The Mm -hmm. banks are basically heavy vested in life insurance companies. And what do they do? They lend the money out in the cash value and the life insurance policies, and it's all tax-free. We got to start investing in ourselves because you have to really think about this. How much does a home cost today? $500,000 or so. So let's say when families pass, what are they passing on to the next generation? They're passing on debt. So we got to stop the cycle of debt, and we got to start learning how to cover things and not carry things. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Like right now, like I'll give you an example right now. The average person keeps a job in corporate America, Frankie, Five or six years. How long does it take to pay for a home? Anywhere between 20 to 30 years. I always tell people, what's at the morgue? Dead people. It's called morgue age. Morgue age. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is, is that why would you put your faith in your job from five to six years to take care of a home over 30 years? 
So the best thing to do is is to make sure you have enough life insurance on you so if you do pass, your home can be paid for tax-free and transferred over to your your loved one. All right, now, now, and you know, and, and I will say to you, because years and years and years ago, insurance policies, particularly in communities of color, African-American communities, you remember, uh, I don't know how old you are, but the insurance guy used to walk up the street and your grandparents would make that $10, $15 um, insurance payment and a lot of a lot of land and uh, property was purchased uh, as a result of the death of aunts and uncles and grandparents and it was passed down but let me let me just share this thought with you because i i really would love to know what you think about this because you talk about life insurance and the benefit of life insurance and the like especially when you talk about wealth so you have a a family one or two kids whatever the case might be you pay for college they go to college they then become professionals themselves and they move on as adults to create their own wealth they are now financially taking care of themselves and who would not want to pass on a legacy of hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to their children i think if it was possible we all would the chances of that outside of a life insurance policy for anybody listening right now is probably very small but here's the idea and help me with this and my girlfriends and I were talking about this it really shouldn't be called life insurance it's really called death insurance it says it just sounds better because you don't get the benefit as an individual in life you get it in death right so well, as a result of your death your your heirs benefit from that but the question becomes the average funeral if it's just an average funeral cost on average between five and seven thousand dollars for an adult person after having children let's say around 25 30 years 30 years old so you pay that life insurance policy for 30 or 40 years right and your policy is fifty thousand dollars you've well invested into that policy but if you took five thousand or ten thousand dollars and put it aside and said here kids professional grown children with your own families now because now that parent does not have little kids take this ten thousand dollars set it aside and use it for my final expenses why pay an insurance company right fifty thousand dollars over a lifetime from a benefit that you won't benefit from well, you know what? Let me say this to you. I'm glad you said that. See, it's a new time. See, I think people have old information in a new time. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a good example. Anyone that gets a life insurance policy now, you should get a cash value life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, see, there's different types of life insurance policies. Primarily, there's three. One is called a term policy. That's the first policy ever created. It only pays off if someone dies. That's all it does. So you're pretty much just paying for time. It's called term. The next policy is called a whole life. It's for your whole life, but it has a very little cash value. Mm -hmm. So whole life policy is a little outdated. Then you have a different type of policy that's called IUL, Index Universal Life Policy. It's a policy that allows you to invest in the market and get up to 15% compounding and you also have long-term care. So cash value policies are really retirement policies. Mm -hmm. So we have the wrong understanding. And I'll give you a good example so you'll know. If I said to you right now, our automobile insurance, you think about a car, well, quite naturally, right? If I said homeowner's insurance, you think about a home. But when I tell people life insurance, the first thing they think about, Frankie, is it's death. death. Mm -hmm. But guess what? 
the proper life insurance for death is called final expense. And mm-hmm. guess what? Mm-hmm. It's so inexpensive that you can be covered for a little as 50 cents a day. We shouldn't see any GoFundMes. We shouldn't see people standing on the corners holding signs to bear their loved ones. And final expense is not publicized in our communities because it's so inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And life insurance policies can take anywhere between six to eight weeks to pay out. With And you have to have a death certificate. But with final expense, it pays out within 48 hours with no death certificate. Mm-hmm. That's why I said that financial education is needed in our communities because we do not understand that the rich and the wealthy is using the things that I'm talking to you about right now. They use life insurance policies to, to keep cash values in their life insurance policies. Instead of getting 1%, they're getting up to 15% compounding. That's why I told you BYOB. Be your own bank. Do what the bank is doing. Mm-hmm. But we get old information, and that's the reason why we're in the disparities that we're in, because we get old information. But the, but when you get new information, you'll understand that the rich and the wealthy use life insurance to transfer wealth. Let me give you a good example. Tyler Perry, his grandmother left him a life insurance policy. That's how he got his empire off the ground. Master P, his grandmother left him a life insurance policy. That's how you got its empire off the ground. Let's take it even deeper. Walt Disney, there wouldn't be any Disneyland. Go back and do the research. Mm-hmm. Walt Disney, he got the money out of a life insurance policy to start Disney. Ray Kroc, McDonald's, took money from a life insurance policy to start McDonald's. So now we see, Frankie, that the rich and the wealthy use life insurance to carry them, but we use it to bury us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why the education has to be there. That's why I'm I'm encouraging people to invest in financial education. And also, I guarantee you, if our young men and women in the streets would be covered with life insurance, I guarantee you we wouldn't have the death rate that we have with uh, racial profiling and police brutality. You think that every time a kid is murdered in the street and they got a half a million or a million dollar life insurance policy on them, you think that they would be killing, killing, killing kids out the street? I don't think that would happen. And let me say this to you also, too. A kid today could be working at McDonald's and have a million-dollar life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So whether we realize it or not, the first policy ever uh, ever created was a term policy. And guess when it was recreated? It was created during the time of a depression. And right now we're dealing with recession numbers and things of that sort. I really encourage people to start looking into cash value life insurance policies Mm -hmm. and Set it up, because when you really think about it, what does it cost for a kid today to go to college on a three-year public college? Right. Almost $200,000. A four-year private college, close to $277,000. How is parents saving this type of money? Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're, we're, we're continuing to perpetuate and transfer debt from one generation to the next generation. And all I'm doing is giving people some information to say, hey, listen. We got to start really, really thinking in terms of transferring wealth instead of transferring debt. All right. And it's new things that are out there. And these new things out there, we got to be educated and learn what they're all about. All right. You talk about who am I, what do I want, and how do I get it? You are a master coach uh, who combines your coaching along with other spiritual, psychological principles in your work. Talk about that as we get ready to close, and I'll take your final comments. Well, when I say who am I, I always tell people, 
when you find your passion, you'll find your purpose. And a lot of us, we basically, we haven't really found our passion because we're doing other things. So I always tell people that most people, Frankie, spend so much time outside of themselves with very little time with themselves. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, once you find your passion, you'll find your purpose. Just like you interview me right now, I hear the passion in your voice. This is something you love. So it's really about finding what you love and doing it. Everybody has a gift. God gives all of us a gift. But the question is, are you living your purpose? Have you found your passion? So I always tell people, when you find your passion, you'll find your purpose. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant when I said that. All right. So talk about your book, Cracking the Rich Code. Where can people get it? How can they find you? Well, Cracking the Rich Code right now is an Amazon international bestseller, and you can get it anywhere. You can go to RoryDouglas.net, RoryDouglas.net, to get an autographed copy also, too. But it's sold everywhere books are sold. It's it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And well, you can get all of my uh, handles on RoryDouglas.net. Yeah, and, and your motivation behind it was fill in the blank. My vo- motivation behind Cracking the Rich Code was the things that I was just talking about. Understanding how the financial system works in America and BYOB, be your own bank. Do mm-hmm. what the bank is doing. And also, take this information I just gave you as a listener and research it. Look and see how much money did the bank invest in life insurance policies last year? $190 trillion. And also, too, look into cash value life insurance policies. Set your kids up with college educational plans. Start transferring wealth to the next generation and not debt. And stop carrying debt and start covering debt. Especially right. in a society full of inflation, taxes, and things of that sort. If people were to call the bank, their bank on Monday and their insurance agent, what questions should they ask? Well, if the people were to call their bank on Monday, the first thing I would ask is, especially if you have an account, that, hey, do I have a beneficiary on my account? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even know that. Right. That in banks, you want to make sure you have a beneficiary account. But once again, banks don't average give us minus 1%. But I would call insurance companies because insurance companies have accounts also too. And, and you can actually have cash value insurance of, of policies that will give you way more interest in the bank. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's, the, that's the route I go. I'm not talking against the bank, but bank is used for banking. But I think that we should use, we should put our monies in retirement plans because retirement has nothing to do with your age. Retirement is when you have enough money to retire. So I think we should start our young kids off at an early age having retirement accounts and not bank accounts. Rory Douglas is my guest. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Talk of the Town with Frankie Darcel. The comments and opinions expressed on the show are those of the guests and not iHeartMedia or its management. Join us next Sunday at 6 a.m. for Talk of the Town.